The information and views you hear on this podcast should never take the place of sitting down with your doctor and establishing a treatment plan that's best for you. She's a lawyer and community activist who served as a member of Congress from Maryland for almost 10 years. It was during her time in office that she received news that would change her life. In the U.S. Capitol, she was told she has MS. Former Congresswoman Donna Edwards is our guest on this episode of the Mastering MS podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm Mike Marillo. I'm a radio news anchor and reporter at WTOP, an all-news station in the Washington, D.C. area, and I have MS. And I'm Nick Irons, and my dad has had MS for nearly 50 years. You know, when you work on Capitol Hill, hearing news that changes your life while at work, well, that can be a common occurrence. But for Donna Edwards, a former Democratic representative from Maryland, it was in the U.S. Capitol that a doctor told her she has multiple sclerosis. And in 2017, she revealed to the world her private battle against the disease. Now she's joining us to talk about her MS journey, which has literally taken her on a journey around the nation to discuss health care concerns facing Americans. Congresswoman, thank you so much for being here. And you were diagnosed about the same time I was, around six years ago. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing fine. I mean, obviously, um, you know, when you have MS, it's sort of every day is a new day. Um, and, you know, in the uh, time since I was diagnosed in June of 2016, uh, I was in Congress at the time, and I um, today I struggle with my mobility, so I am an avid user of a lot of different canes. I have one right here, um, and you know, and I, you know, so I struggle with mobility. But other than that, um, I really just try to live my best life. Nice. So when when you were diagnosed originally, how were you diagnosed? What what were your first symptoms? So here's what happened. I um, had just come off of a pretty intense uh, run for the U.S. Senate in Maryland, and I lost that race. I went right back to, um, to work. I mean, we were still in session on Capitol Hill, and uh, that was in April. And then um, I had to, we took a, a, a recess for the spring, and I had gotten a vacation place down in the Outer Banks so that I could, like, decompress from all the election stuff. And I was running on the beach. I, I used to run a lot, and I was running on the beach. And during my morning run, I just fell. And I had no legs. My legs weren't moving at all. I couldn't get up. I was by myself. It was an early morning, um, and it was really scary. And then I just waited for a few minutes, um, about 15 minutes, and I said, well, let me just try to get up again. And I just got right up. My legs felt fine. And I finished my run. Uh, and so uh, from that point, I got back home and then, um, you know, went through a series of doctors for a couple of months um, before the diagnosis was finally made. Um, and, you know, when you're diagnosed with MS, it's a scary thing. Uh, I remember that day really clearly when I got the final um, final diagnosis because you go through a lot of tests, um, neurological tests, MRI, um, all kinds of things to figure out the diagnosis. And with my MS, because I had very few lesions um, in my in my brain, they weren't and they were faded. They weren't really showing up well on the MRI, and so it took a while. Um, and then uh, that began the journey. So many people looking back, once they're diagnosed, looking back, they have 
symptoms that they could see that they had in the in their past. Were, were you like that? Did you, looking backwards, do you think you had MS for a while, or do you think your fall was really your first episode? No, I think I had MS for a while. Uh, when I think back on it, there were times, people always describe me as clumsy, even my family members always describe me as clumsy. I was falling down like all, you know, I fall down all the time. Um, and it was a, a running joke. And I had had an incident on Capitol Hill when I, you know, the, they have, you know, these old marble steps in the Capitol. And I fell down those marble steps and was really seriously injured um, at the time. I broke my knee. And when I think back on it, it is because I couldn't lift my foot. I had foot drop. Yep. Wow. And I just didn't understand that at the time. And I clearly understand it now. Uh, for a time, for example, even though I was running every day and I, I used to ride my bike about almost 100 miles a week. Um, and I noticed that there was like a little a numbness in my calf and nobody could ever put a finger on what it was. Well, it turns out that that numbness actually was a symptom of MS as well. And you spent several years as a congresswoman, and we've uh, you know, been talking about that. And one thing I want to go back to your story, I remember reading this in the, your op-ed in the Washington Post. You talked about when you got the diagnosis, and most of us go to a doctor's office. You got the diagnosis at the U.S. Capitol. <laughs> wow. I did. Well, my physicians um, and my neurologist at the time um, was over at George Washington University. A lot of members of Congress get their care at, um, at GW. And uh, so all of the testing and everything was done there, but they were in direct communication with the Capitol um, physician. And, um, you know, that day, it was quite an interesting day because the entirety of the day started out with me um, being tapped to uh, ask the first question of Hillary Clinton when she came to our caucus that morning um, after she had gotten the nomination. And then I raced from there up to the Capitol floor because we were starting a serious um, sit-in and protest I was doing with John Lewis um, on, the, cap on the, um, the floor of the House. Uh, and so it was a really busy day, and it was during that time of the sit-in that I got a phone call from the, uh, from the physician's office asking me to come to the office because they had the results of my test. And I was refusing to leave the floor. I said, no, I can't come. We can deal with that later. Or can't you just tell me on the phone? Because I was assuming something like a, a pinched nerve or you know, something sort of you know, routine that could be dealt with. And he said, no, I need you to come to my office. And he was so insistent. And so I left the House floor, I went to the office, and he told me that I had MS. And um, I knew about MS, and I mostly knew because um, people from the MS Society and Association would visit my office um, on various pieces of legislation. That's how I came to know about, uh, about MS. I didn't know anybody that I knew of in my life um, who had MS. Um, and so when he said it, he asked me, do you have any questions? And I just looked at him and I said, no. And honestly, that visit was all of five minutes. Wow. And I left pretty shocked, 
but I went back to the house floor to join the sit-in for the rest of the evening. And I did tell two of my colleagues who are my best friends um, because I needed somebody around me who knew what was going on and they kind of held my confidence for the duration of the time that I served in the Congress because I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't know what the treatment protocols would be. I needed to find a neurologist that I felt a lot of confidence in, which I did at Johns Hopkins. Uh, and, um, but that was quite, it was quite a, an eventful day, which is why I never forget June 22nd, 2016. And there's actually a really iconic photo of myself and John Lewis and a couple of other of our colleagues um, sitting in on the House floor that made its rounds in the newspapers and um, on the television networks. And um, it was about an hour after that that I, was, I found out my MS diagnosis. So I guess I'll always have something that identifies the when and where for me. Wow. When you finally got a chance to, you know, really think about it and really take it in, unfortunately, it, it's a rough couple of weeks, months. And take us through how you started to come to grips with it and how you approached, you know, this new journey you're now embarking on. Well, at the time, I was still running every day. I was still riding my bike. I um, had we had a pretty intense congressional schedule um, during that summer. Um, because we had to work through all of our appropriations bills. There was a lot going on. And so I showed up at work every day. I you know, did what I needed to do. Um, and at the same time, I'd be on the House floor with my phone doing searches, reading about doctors, reading about MS, um, to you know, try to find, figure out what my next steps would be. Um, but I was doing all of that at the same time. And, um, and the it, and I did end up finding in that process, and I remember the day um, sitting on the House floor, we were in between votes, and I came across a biography and some writings by uh, a doctor named Ellen Mowry, um, who is an amazing um, and one of the you know sort of top research um, uh, physicians studying MS in the world, and she's at Johns Hopkins University. And uh, I remember coming across her profile, reading about her. I wrote, read a couple of the um, research studies that she had been engaged in. And I decided I was going to call her. And I did um, right after that. And she became my doctor. And she's fabulous. And um, she's been a lifesaver because she's gotten me into a, you know, a treatment uh, regimen, which is varied. I mean, you know, over, you know, a six-year, seven-year period, I've gone through a couple of different um, disease-modifying therapies um, and other therapies that help me with my walking and mobility, and and she's seen me through all of that, and plus she's a lot of fun. Nice. <laughs> so tell me about uh, how you told your family about MS. I know you have a son. How did he take it when you told him? Well, so in classic Donna Edwards fashion, I waited until I always have um, the Christmas holiday and Christmas day. I cook a big brunch for all of my family members at my home. It's been something that we've done for, I, I've done for, I don't know, over 30 years. 
And so that day, I had not told anybody up until that time. So keep in mind, I was diagnosed in June and I hadn't, other than my two colleagues at work, I hadn't told anyone. And I wow. knew that by December, we were, we were in recess um, uh, and I was no longer gonna be in Congress by January 3rd uh, or January 2nd, whichever the Tuesday was. And um, so I had all of my family gathered at my home. And after we opened up our gifts and we were just sitting around, you know, sort of chatting and enjoying the day, I said to them, I have some news for you. And I told them that I had MS. And at the same time, I told them I had just um, gotten the use of a, an RV, a recreational vehicle that I was going to get in the week after I came out of Congress and drive across the country. And so I enabled them to take all of that in at the same time. I mean, part of it is that I wanted to wait the six months, actually, I knew then by the next MRI that I took in that early in December that my MS had stabilized, that there were no more lesions forming, that the DMT that I was, the d disease modifying therapy that I was taking was working. And I understood what I needed to do. And I think that I could, I, my rationale was that I could speak with a little bit more clarity to my mom and my sisters and my son about what was going on with me and, um, and you know, let them know that I was preparing to live a long and normal life, um, even as they began to understand MS and the impact on me. And so a week after that conversation, I took off in um, my borrowed RV and I started a cross-country RV journey that lasted about three and a half months. Wow. And so was that in direct response to something to do after you got the diagnosis? It was a combination. I, one, it's something that I'd always wanted to do and I never really had the time. And, um, you know, I came out of Congress. I didn't know what I was going to do, uh, do next. It seemed like a good time to take a break. But also it was a way for me to have some control over my life and to, um, to know that I could still enjoy and experience the things that I liked the most, things like hiking and climbing and, you know, just being out in all the national parks and the state parks and being on the road. And it was a way for me to feel like I could control it. And by that time I had my you know, medication set, I had my routine set. Uh, the MS was not as, as impactful, uh, the symptoms at that time. I could still, you know, walk on my own and, you know, get around. Um, and it's much more pronounced now, uh, but at that time, it was a way for me to both decompress from Congress and decompress from my diagnosis. And you're still making those RV trips, aren't you? I am. I'm jealous. <laughs> Tell I us. I am. In fact, I was so enthralled. So the RV that I took in, um, uh, in 2017 was on loan to me from a really good friend. Uh, and I was so taken by the entire lifestyle and being out in the parks and meeting and talking to people that I decided to get one for myself. Nice. So um, I, I got an RV. Her name is Lucille. 
and uh, we we've done we've had a lot of different uh, journeys and adventures. Um, but recently, um, in uh, let's see, August of twenty of twenty twenty two, I got on the road and decided that I would take my journey of my lifetime that I've always wanted to do, which is to drive the old Alaskan highway. So wow. I started my drive from Oxon Hill, Maryland, um, up to the north and through North Dakota and into Canada and all across Canada to Alaska and then back. Wow. And I heard you had your cat on the trip with you too, huh? Yes, my cat Midnight <laughs> was with me. She's a great traveler. She's great company. And like every cat, you know, when she wants to be bothered with you, she's bothered with you. And when she doesn't, she isn't. <laughs> That's great. So I know a lot of people with MS want to travel. Uh, tell me about some of the uh, some of the ways that traveling with a disability is harder, or uh, is it is it easy to travel with a disability? Well, I mean, it, I think there are things that you have to figure out, and and I had to recognize my limitations, and so I restricted myself. I said, well, on the days that I drive, I'm never going to drive more than four hours. Um, I'm going to take my time so that I can take breaks on the road um, when I need to, and often that involves stopping at some beautiful place where I could have lunch. Um, you know, I had lunch, for example, on the uh, side of the road at Bow Lake in Jasper Park in Canada. The, it was beautiful and the mountains and the blue water and my lunch. And so I think for me, I just decided this is something that I want to do and things that I enjoy. And I just need to figure out what I have to do to preserve my health and my strength and also be able to enjoy the things that I, I do. I mean, I, I spent a lot of time, for example, in the national parks, and I have to uh, commend the National Park Service because they have done a really great job of making the parks accessible. And so because I have a mobility issue, I can't do those hikes that I used to do, climbing up mountains and hills and things. And many of the parks, if you ask the park rangers, they will tell you either parts of a trail or a special walk that you can take or someplace that you can go that won't stress and strain you. And I think the park rangers have been really good, I have found, in answering my call uh, when I approach them and ask them about that. And um, I think, you know, when you think about the Park Service, of course, we as taxpayers pay for all of those, all of those services and for the rangers and for the upkeep, and they've made them very accessible. Many of the parks, for example, have ex um, accessible uh, parking spaces for RVs. And so that means that when I pull in my RV with my handicap uh, tag, and we can talk about that, um, that I have some place to park, I can, you know, walk where I need to. And I have to tell you, the one thing that I have discovered is that the people that I have met along the way, you know, when I've needed help or um, it, things have been difficult, people have been just so amazingly, you know, gracious and 
helpful. And, um, and so that's a bonus as well. But I think it's about figuring out and knowing your body and knowing your MS, um, uh, what you can do, but not being limited by it. And in fact, I'm taking a safari in uh, October of this year as well. And I talked to the travel agencies and um, the tour group uh, so that they understand what my disability is. And they're making the accommodation so wow. that I have as fantastic awesome. a safari as anybody else. So cool. I'm curious. I'm, I just have to, this is a, my curiosity. What's, what's the behind the name Lucille? Okay, so, you know, people read a lot into it, um, but, uh, you know, some people, when I was uh, driving through, you know, Mississippi and Louisiana, they always thought it was B.B. King, um, but really, it was Lucille Ball who inspired it, because oh, wow. I don't know how many people have seen this movie where she and Desi um, get married, and they're on this long RV adventure that is just a catastrophe um and it is the funniest most hilarious <laughs> movie ever and so that's why i named her lucille nice. so nick and i were wrong we thought it was the bb king guitar <laughs> 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 we're out on that one yeah you know, i want to ask you too and you you mentioned a, a bit about this and from my personal experience I did not pay attention to my body and how I felt. I pushed myself, pushed myself before I got this diagnosis. And after all of a sudden, I find myself listening to my body more. Now, I know you lived a pretty healthy lifestyle before. I can't say that. I had too many pizzas and all the other stuff I shouldn't have had before. But I'm a lot better now. But, you know, I've, I listen to my body more. Do you find that more with you, too, that you're, you, if you feel tired, you, you listen? Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I have to, although... I have to tell you, I mean, there are times when I think I push myself too much and your body will let you know. Um, it you, it sure really does. will. I mean, the thing about MS is whatever your symptoms are, that if you push yourself, they will be even more pronounced. So, um, so I think it's important to listen to what your body um, is telling you. And one of the things that I learned about being on the road is um, I could get as much sleep as I want. I mean, how wonderful it is to be able to sleep and, you know, to hear the sounds of the night in the middle of the woods. Um, that's, and, you know, have it nice and cool. That's good sleeping weather. And so I would get my rest um, if I was planning a really big day the day before. I'd make sure that I got my rest uh, the evening before. And I have to tell you at home, I'm not as good at that. Um, and so I'm constantly working on, on being better and, um, and doing things like, um, even though it's difficult to, um, to walk, trying to get out and to, you know, walk to get in, um, you know, some bit of steps to keep my, you know, sort of muscles flowing. I, I got a little pedal machine. So when I have to sit for long periods of time doing meetings and things, that I can pedal at the same time to keep up my leg strength, the muscle strength. Um, and so whatever it is that it, it takes, I mean, I do yoga in front of my television. Uh, so that's been a little bit fun. I can't do all the moves, but I do what I can. Nice. And you know, one, one thing we always like to ask folks to, as you get the diagnosis, you know, there, we, we look back and say, well, I would have done this. Maybe I would have, 
you know, approached it differently. I want to ask you, you know, what would you have changed with your reaction and how you got into, you know, starting your MS journey? I don't know, because I think, um, you know, I'm a pretty, uh, let's just say an A-type personality. (laughs) And, um, And so my immediate response was, how do I get a handle of this? You know, what do I need to do? Um, how do I find the best doctor? What are the treatments? And I read everything. And I, you know, I mean, I'm not a, a person who, you know, reads the medical stuff online and then makes my own, you know, sort of diagnosis and, you know, prognosis. Um, but I will read and then bring those issues to my doctor. And I'm a very, um, I think one of the things for me, and I, I was not always like this in the past, that I am very direct in asking questions of my doctor. And I needed to make sure that I found somebody who was going to listen to me and not just dismiss me. And I'm glad that I've I've done that. Um, But it's hard to say what you do differently because how you react is part of what your makeup is. And mine is, you know, the A type, get control of it, you know, have a handle on things. you know, I think back, sometimes my sisters are, um, ask me, why didn't you tell us when you were first diagnosed? And that's something that they wanted to happen, but it wouldn't have worked for me. So one of the things that we ask all guests who have MS is, is there anything that you can think of that's positive about that's come from your diagnosis or come from having MS? Well, I, I would say it is... Um, One of the things that's happened is because I'm a public person, I do television, people see me, I was in Congress, um, and I wasn't going to really say more publicly anything about my diagnosis, but then I got really mad about something that was going on with the Affordable Care Act um, back in um, 2017, I guess, after I returned um, from my road trip. And I I think there were proposals to gut it. And for me, having health care, because I didn't come under, you know, when you leave Congress, you lose your health care. And I lost mine, and I was on the private health care market. And I had a pre-existing condition. And so without the Affordable Care Act, I may not have been able to find health care coverage at all. And so I I was mad about that. And I decided that I was going to write about it publicly. And so I wrote this op-ed in the Washington Post. And it was the first time that people who were my former colleagues ever heard about it or knew about it. Um, I got you know, really wonderful letters from, uh, Hillary sent me the most lovely letter um, after she read my op-ed and I got phone calls from uh, former colleagues and also just from ordinary people, you know, comments that were written or emails about how um, important they thought it was for me to say publicly that I had MS because it strengthened them. And so um, I feel really good about that because my old self, 
would have just kept it to myself. Now, what advice would you give to somebody newly diagnosed now that we're six years into having this illness, or at least knowing we have the illness? I mean, what advice would you give to someone who just got that news that they were in that place we were six years ago? Well, I think it's, a, I mean, it's, it, it is a gut punch. Um, and I think it's important to understand what MS is and what it isn't. Um, and to listen to yourself because you and I know that lots of people will come up to you and they'll say, oh, I know so-and-so had MS and this is what they did. Well, the thing about MS is because it affects the central nervous system that all of us have a completely different central nervous system. And so what one person experiences, another person won't. What works for one person will not work for another person. And so I think that once you're diagnosed, that it's really important um, to do your own um, research and thinking to find um, you know, medical professionals you can trust and that you can express confidence in and, um, and then to begin your journey. And also um, to recognize that um, MS isn't gonna kill you. Um, you know, you have to figure out how to live your strongest and best life with it. And, um, and I know that that is, it's really hard. I mean, I have a close friend from high school and after I was diagnosed with MS, she gave me, and I wrote that um, op-ed, she gave me a call and said, you know, I have MS. And, um, and so you find friends in all kinds of ways who can support you. And that's been really important to me to have people around me who understand uh, the diagnosis, but also um, helped me to live my best life. You mentioned earlier that uh, about the fall down the stairs of the Capitol because of a foot drop. Do you still have, do you still have a foot drop? Oh, yes, I do. Do you wear um, a, a brace or uh, what do no, you? No, I, do, I don't. Um, but I do have to pay attention to it. And part of the reason that I use the cane, both for my balance, but also it makes me think about every step that I take. Uh, and I do have a, a device that I wear on my, um, on my knee that um, it's a device that sends electrical currents. Oh, you have, that, you have the bioness? Yeah, and so that helps. I don't wear it all the time, but I do use it sometimes to, for training um, because there's a mode in it that allows you to train to lift your foot. Um, and then there are occasions, depending on where I have to go, and if it's not for a long time, where I'll have it on my, um, or on my knee or just below my, my knee um, to, to use to walk. Um, but I really do pay attention to my walking because I still fall sometimes, you know? And, uh, and that's kind of scary because, you, know, it, it, you know, when you lose your balance and you have, and you have spasticity, um, it can be really, really scary. So around my home, for example, I've removed um, all of the like um, runners, uh, carpet runners that I used, rugs that I used to have, um, you know, on the hallways and stuff. I've removed those entirely because they are 
tripping hazards. Um, I am right now in the process of redoing my bathroom so that it is completely level to walk in because now I have a little bit of a step to get into the shower. And although I haven't uh, fallen, it's kind of scary. Um, I'm putting handrails, for example, in my, um, in my bathroom. And, uh, you know, just trying to make sure that the space that I live in is as safe as possible because this is the place that I spend most of the time. My parents so, are going through the same thing right now with the hand controls and the, uh, no, the handrails and uh, making sure that the, there's no lip into the shower, all that, all that type of thing. Right. I mean, I'm thinking about getting uh, hand controls in my car and my RV, um, but that might be in another year or so. My dad has used them for years and it's, it's absolutely amazing how well they work. So, yeah. uh, there's, uh, yeah, just if I, we got to a point where with his foot drop, the idea of him using his right foot for the accelerator and brake was not a good right. idea. So right. hand controls, they're really easy to use. And, uh, I, yeah, they're, they're really cool. Yeah. I think I have about a, uh, you know, maybe I'm a year or so away. Um, from that, but I definitely have it on my on my radar, and it's very interesting. A lot of um, people don't know, but a lot of uh, car dealerships, when you buy a new car, offer rebates when you install hand controls. Um, and you know, so I I think every I mean you, everybody just has to figure out like, you know, sort of what the next best uh, step to use that word is is for them depending on what their MS is. I mean, it's funny because, you know, I used to, I, one of the things I didn't tell you is that uh, I was like a shoe hog. I still am. Um, and I wore, you know, I, I wore these, you know, three, four inch, uh, four inch heels. <laughs> and, um, and I had lots of them. And one of the most difficult things for me, talk about difficulties, one of the most difficult things for me was recognizing that I could not wear high heels anymore. So one evening, I got a huge box and I went into my closet and I put all of my high heels in the box, cleared out my closet practically, and, um, and gave them away to my sister. And I have to tell you, every time I see her with my heels on, <laughs> there's a part of me, there's a part of me that's really annoyed. Yeah, um, I can't believe it. But it was that was actually one of the most difficult things because it was a final recognition that my life really had changed. And, um, you know, and the other, of course, was finally breaking down and getting the handicap tag for my my car. That was it. That was a big deal. Yeah, it took me a while to, you know, to do that because there's a whole mental process about recognizing that you have a limitation. Yeah. And um, now I wouldn't trade it for anything. <laughs> I know, parking around D.C., you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, so once you realize they can park right. for three hours in D.C. using it, but I'm there sure. There are things like that that are just part of your life yeah. um, that you realize that you have to change, and it makes you come to grips with, um, with the MS. Um, but, you know, once I got rid of the high heels, I realized that there's a whole market 
in flat shoes that are, you know, really, really cute. So <laughs> and they're comfortable I too, right? My my uh, shoe collection <laughs> uh, in flats. So uh, I guess I have one other, one last MS question, and that is from the family standpoint. Uh, what advice would you give to family members of those either new, newly diagnosed or living with MS for a while? What would you What would you say to the family members out there? I think for family, it's about being there and knowing that you're there. And I mean, sometimes it's hard to ask for help. Uh, as somebody who has MS, it's hard to ask for help. But when your family is there um, and just waiting, then you know that you can count on them. And so these days, it's become easier for me to ask that of my family. And boy, do they step up you know, in really amazing, amazing ways. Um, and so I think the important thing for family is just to make sure that the person in your life who has MS knows that you're there for them, whatever the, you know, the ask is. That support is so very important. Congresswoman, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you. What a great discussion. Again, that was former Congresswoman Donna Edwards who served in the U.S. Congress, representing Maryland for almost 10 years. And we want to thank you for listening to the podcast, and we want to hear from you as well. Go to mastering.ms, that's our website, and you can reach out to us. If there's a topic you'd like to hear, let us know. And we need your help spreading the word about the podcast, so please share it on social media with your friends and family. And also subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, I'm Mike Marillo. And I'm Nick Irons. And this has been the Mastering MS Podcast.